The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome to the Repack. I'm Justice Mosqueda. I'm here with uh, Evan Tex Western, or as one of our commenters on iTunes said, Justin and Ted. How you doing, Tex? Oh my God. I needed, I, I needed a drink today um this this is definitely a a recap that needs some some whiskey to get through it after that insanity of a fourth quarter in overtime good lord very very stressful like my my girlfriend like actively saw me get more stressed throughout the day and at one point like even asked me like are are you gonna be okay and i'm like "I, i don't know man like it's just too many missed field goals like that that level of stress is just too much the uh I looked at that win probability chart that like ESPN has on like their box score. And it looks like someone's having a heart attack. It, it's, <laughs> it's no good. Um, that, that was a lot. I don't, I don't even know where to be. I guess we got to talk about the kicking game. Um, yeah. I really don't know what to say about the kicking game though. I mean, Mason Crosby missed the, missed a bunch of field goals and they made the one at the end. Um, you know, you listen to the post game presser. They said uh, basically, the same thing i mean they're they were talking about how they had all the confidence that mesa would make the last one all they remember is the last one the floor even talked about how on that that last one um really came down to like a confidence call and he was like yeah. mason like had no hesitation so i didn't have any hesitation but if he would have flinched the second then i would have sent the offense back there fourth and short i, I would have kept the offense out there so yep. i guess uh shouts to mesa for making the one that counted um the other ones would have counted too but I guess this oh. one counts too. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and to just see it, it was what five out of six drives that end in a missed field goal between the two teams. And the sixth one was the pick uh, on the first play of overtime. Um, I, after the two in regulation, I, I don't understand why you wouldn't be a little more aggressive. Once you get that interception, you're, you're already basically sitting down at like the 20 yard line um, and, and LaFleur runs, you know, runs it, three times basically for loss of five yards. I don't Wasn't understand. It, twice? it was twice. Maybe it was twice. And that, that's down. right. No, you're right. It was two runs for a loss of five. Then he kicks on third. And I, I just don't understand why after, you know, seeing Crosby miss two, you know, two field goals from very makeable distance right at the end of regulation, why wouldn't you be more aggressive and try to go for the touchdown there? I just, I, I, I struggle to understand that one a little bit. The, the fourth and inches, I, I guess I get uh, when it comes to the, like you said, the confidence call. Um, I was still kind of expecting them to, to try to, you know, AJ Dillon out there and just have him plow into the line and pick up two yards. Um, I still think that's probably what I would have done in that situation, but 
you know, that's why I'm not a head coach in the NFL. So yeah, just the, the, the back and forth nature of that game. It's a really good thing. We're recording this at like nine Eastern. So we've had some time to, to, to come down off of that emotional roller coaster that was the, uh, the last maybe 45 minutes or so at the game. Yeah. I, I told you immediately, I was like, I'm going to need like an hour Oh. just to be able to yeah. digest this so i don't say something dumb and you were like no we're not gonna record until tonight and i was like perfect that works out um we should mention the score 25 25 to 22 you have in here dumbest score ever question mark yeah two, two of the games were 25 22 at one point there were two games in the nfl at the same time that were tied 22 22 just a very odd day uh for kickers in general around the league but one thing that um we should touch on too is not only that first drive that they had it right where where they run it twice you're losing yardage uh you kick it on third down but when they got the ball back the the way that they ended up in that hole to even kick that they're running a bunch of play action shots and the Bengals just weren't buying it because they're like you need a score to win we're not gonna buy that you're running the ball at midfield. That's not what we're going to do right now. And then they kind of lucked out in terms of, uh, you know, just a great ball from Aaron Rodgers, a great catch by Randall Cobb. Um, It was weird the way that the uh, first down line was like superimposed on the field. It was a little shorter than it was in real life. So like, if you're watching the game, you think like, Hey, Randall Cobb got that. He definitely got that, but it was like a yard or two short. So like, it actually ended up being an inches type of situation. Um, so that was yeah. kind of like a weird thing to watch develop. Yeah, too. I was, I was cursing Fox on that one. Once we realized that, that the yellow line was a full yard back of, of where it should have been because yeah, I'm sitting up jumping, uh, jumping off my couch thinking that Kyle picked up the first down uh, and, and I'm confused as hell when, <laughs> when I realized that, uh, that he ends up being a half a yard short and, and bringing up that, that tough decision for, uh, for LaFleur. But um the the offense in in the second half was was crazy they didn't punt at all after the first quarter um i was looking at the the possession chart and i mean literally six straight drives uh for the packers that end in a field goal attempt um obviously the the three misses but then you know two makes in the other two drives in the in the second half and then the the winner at the end just some weird stuff with red zone offense. I feel like um, that, that, that got a little screwy to me too. Yeah. And one thing that we should note about uh, the red zone, I mean, I, I guess the, uh, I love gold guys will probably touch this too, but AJ Dillon got his first touches inside the red zone uh, uh, this week. So yep. that's something that's nice to see. It really does seem like that backfield in general, like they're figuring out like, Hey, AJ Dillon, we want him to run between the tackles, Aaron Jones. We want him on the edge. And, that's kind of how the offense operates. I mean, they gave the ball inside to Aaron Jones a couple of times and he wasn't able to kind of pop them the same way that AJ Dillon has. And it's, it's just their skill set. I mean, it's nothing against uh, Aaron Jones or anything. It's just like AJ Dillon. He's just a bowling ball and it's tough to get that guy on the ground, especially consecutively. He just, he's painful. Right. I mean, it's the same yeah. thing you see with like Derrick Henry where Derrick Henry in the first half, you know, he might not have great games. And then second half, it's just like, Oh yeah. After, 15 touches if your defense doesn't have the lead. I mean, there was a clip of, of Jacksonville um, at the red zone and like no one touched Derrick Henry because it was just like, no, it's painful and we're down two scores and I'm not, I, I don't want to go through pain for Urban Meyer, right? Yeah, like that's, that's a business decision. Going out. Yeah, exactly. Yep. 
Yeah, well, and, and Dylan today, I thought, uh, did a really good job as a receiver out of the backfield, too. A couple of those um, those swing passes off to the left side, the the touchdown, um, but they had a couple couple more of them uh, picking up where he left off with that one he had last week against Pittsburgh. Um, basically the same kind of check down from, from Rodgers and taking up the sideline. I thought a uh, couple of like relatively moderate to high difficulty level catches, I thought, too, on a couple of those. Um but it's it's nice to see that uh, the book on him coming out with with not really having much production as a receiver um, and, and how much the Packers talked up his his abilities that they had scouted from from seeing him at the combine and, and go through drills and stuff that that they are putting him to use in that game. And the more you can use him that way, the more interchangeable I think those two running backs can be, because you can use either one of them in basically any situation if you have confidence in both of them in the passing game. Yeah, hundred percent. And, you know, last week they were talking about how Dylan is at the point now where Aaron Rodgers trusts him. And, you know, Aaron mm-hmm. Rodgers talked about, he does that whole confirmation thing, breaking out the huddle where like running back is the last dude he's talking to before like snap count starts. And he's just trying to make sure the running backs on the same page with him basically. And he's like, he's got it every time. So I don't have to like do it anymore. And now they talked about after the game, uh, Rogers said, you know, he's not like a cold weather running back anymore. He's like a, just a complete running back. And it's like, oh, that's that's a nice thing to hear, um, yeah. especially when, you know, you can end up in Rogers' doghouse. Speaking of Rogers' doghouse, <laughs> Deguara, oh, my goodness. Oh. There, there were two moments where Rogers just ripped. I think he ripped into, uh, who was it, John Runyon Jr. At, in the red zone because there was some sort of miscommunication. They couldn't get a playoff, and they ended mm-hmm. up having – I think they had to burn a timeout. He was livid. Um, and then there was that, uh, it looked like an RPO or something like that. I, I think it was RPO. I don't think it was play action shot. And, uh, DeGuara, he thought, he thought DeGuara was going to run an out and it would, it would have been wide open. Um, and he ran a slant and Rogers just spikes it into the ground and then just like <laughs> MFs him. It, it was tough. And then yeah. DeGuara came out of the game and they got Dave, Tyler Davis, who like we had hardly ever seen. He was in the ne- very next drive. And I was like, oh no, he's in the doghouse. Duvara yeah. ended up coming back, but <laughs> yeah, man, you can't be doing that consistently or this dude's just going to hold it against you. Rogers holds grudges guys. Yep. Yeah. I'm sure he's counting down the days before uh, Dominic Daphne is eligible to come off of IR at this point. So get somebody back there at, uh, at that fullback spot that he trusts a little bit. Um, Speaking about that offensive line. So Lucas Patrick started at center. Um, Obviously, Josh Myers wasn't able to play uh, with his finger injury. And then Elton Jenkins, uh, you know, as it was trending positively, he still wasn't able to suit up for this game. Um, So they basically trotted out the offensive line that they've usually been trotting out, plus Lucas Patrick. I thought Patrick did okay. He had that, like, weird snap that went ended up going straight to Aaron Jones. Yeah. Outside of that, I think he did okay. Um, Nyman got beat. A little bit. I think this is probably probably the worst the offensive line has played, but it wasn't like it was catastrophic by any means. I mean, Nyman, Nyman lost a couple matchups. Rodgers, for the most part, was able to escape the pocket. I'm, I'm sure he took at least two sacks, just eyeball, just remembering uh, how that game went, but it, it yep. wasn't anything crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, I think Hendrickson had two sacks. I think that was it. Um, looking at now, it looks like uh, Cincinnati had five hits on the, on Rogers, uh, in the scorebook. So not a, not a really heavy day, um, from, in terms of Rogers taking hits, but there, there did seem like there were a couple, um, a couple of plays in some kind of 
tough situations where um, the hits did affect throws that, that Rogers had. There's, there was one uh, deep shot. I think that I remember where, where he kind of got a, a late hit, um, you know, right as he was about to let go of the football and, and cause that to sail off the mark a little bit, but for the most part, yeah, I think they, they held up pretty well in the run game. Um, you had a couple of, um, you know, of solid gains, uh, until obviously the, the big 50 yarder by uh, Aaron Jones that kind of broke it open. And, um, let's give a shout out to him for, for throwing a cornerback soul into the sun, uh, at the end of that run. I don't remember who that was. If that was that Mike Hilton or somebody, but, uh, just that, that stiff arm at the end of that run was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. And those corners I thought were playing very well. I mean, yeah. Rogers, a couple of times, the first two drives, it was really Rogers figuring out how the game was going to be officiated for the most part. Like he was yeah. throwing a lot of those, like. I hope I get a DPI call here, uh, balls. But, I mean, Hilton was playing well. Trey Waynes, I thought, played solid. Uh, Wuzier was great, I thought, until he got banged yep. up. Yep. Um, defensively, so Barnes returned. I thought that the way that they deployed him was very interesting because we are now in the post-Ty Summers defense era because the way that they ended up using him was Barnes was their base inside linebacker next to Campbell. And then they would use uh, Burks and Nickel almost exclusively. So Summers didn't get a lot of reps. I, I'm actually – I'd be interested in seeing, you know, tomorrow when we get the snap counts up for the site, how, how many reps he actually got on the defensive side of the ball. Um, but, you know, Campbell just keeps making plays, man. Uh, yeah. I, I really am going to be a huge fan of him. I, I was banging the drum for Pro Bowl for him and Bojorquez. I think Bojorquez only got – one punt today and it wasn't a very good one it, it ended up going like 30 something yards right um yeah i think how will you want to see no yeah he had two he had the short one that that actually pinned him deep on i think the first drive and that was fine but then That's that 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 shank uh on his his second attempt um that that one felt very jk scott like and was was the first time we had seen that since he showed up so that was a little a little disappointing but thankfully it uh didn't have to get him a whole lot of work in the second half since they were at least moving the ball consistently. They just couldn't find the way into the end zone after halftime. Um, in the secondary, so obviously Jair, Jair is going to go to IR. That is kind of good news. I mean, it, he was going to go on IR no matter what, right? Yeah. So that that was going to happen. The good news is, you know, they're going to test his shoulder, see how it heals. It really does seem like it's something that, like, we're not even really going to know until, like, two weeks from now. Yeah. Um, hopefully you know, it starts healing upright and he can come back and play some playoff games for him. Um, I, you know, King didn't have as bad of a game as King usually does, which was nice to see. <laughs> yeah. uh, they were moving him and Stokes around. Like, you know, usually they just sit down one guy left corner, one guy right corner and just kind of play ball. Um, they, they were moving them both around. Shannon Sullivan was in the slot. The one thing that did kill him was uh, when they got Shamar John Charles, in there at the red zone for some reason as yeah. an outside corner. And I'm like, okay, one, why, why are you putting this guy in that situation where yep. he's a red zone only guy? That doesn't really make sense to me because he's a smaller type of guy too. And then yep. he doesn't play outside. He's almost exclusively played inside, even in the preseason. Like he's, he's Chandon's backup essentially is what his role on the team is. And then he was playing twister on the edge. Uh, the running back got past him and, and ended up scoring a touchdown. That was one of the toughest, things too i think was just their running game i mean cincinnati was able to like hashtag establish it enough where you know the the pain started stacking up right they had three guys mm -hmm. who were able to run it and um it, it was just bad tackling day and 
for the most part, we've had a good tackling uh, defense, um, but it kind of reverted to the uh, defenses of the past in the ground game. Yeah, that was a little rough. And um, yeah, your, your point about Shamar, why, why you've got your smallest cornerback in on the boundary in the red zone. I mean, that seemed, that would seem like the ideal spot to have like Yadam in there. Um, bigger, bigger corner, more physical guy who, who generally is a solid tackler that, that one surprised the heck out of me. So um, I'll be interested too, as far as Campbell and the inside linebackers go, because Campbell did get banged up a little bit early in the game, um, missed a handful of plays. Um, they had to have Barnes put the, the communications helmet on for a little bit. So he kind of played more of the, the, the full-time inside linebacker role for at least a little bit, but I still didn't see Summers come in at all when that was the case. I think they rolled with, uh, with Barnes and Burks as the two guys, even in base when, when Campbell was out for a little bit, but him being back, uh, you know, early in the second half, I think he only missed maybe a drive or two. Um, you, you just see the, the difference on that defense when he's in there. It just, he's, he's shooting gaps. He's, he's running to the sideline. Um, and then, you know, coming up with that big pick, which that's, uh, that's entirely, I think on Burrow. I don't, I, I think clearly there looked like there was a miscommunication there between him and, and his receiver, but at the same time, even if the receiver makes the right, the right read or, um, you know, runs the right route, it looks like Campbell's going to be picking that off regardless. So, um, he just keeps making splash plays, man. And you, you can't possibly get more value out of a $2 million contract than what the Packers have gotten out of him so far this year. Yeah, Rogers even praised him. He he was like, I can't believe that guy was on the street. And yeah. I think I think that was like <laughs> word for word what Rogers said after the game. Um, one interesting thing uh, to put on your guys' radar is so that deep shot to Jamar Chase right down the right sideline on that like scramble drill. The way that it was explained by Lafleur made it sound like what Cincinnati did. Cincinnati made a check, right? The the words for that check were also a check that the Packers defense has. And the, the that check made it so that the pass rush turned into a mush rush. So they weren't trying to pin their ears and like actually go after the quarterback. It's like more that they're like playing contain. So the defense heard a check from Joe Burrow, thought that it came from their defense, decided not to attack the quarterback. And then that's what gave them time for basically that scramble drill shot down the right sideline. And I was like, that's interesting because I've, I've heard the whole like, you know, sometimes words sound the same and players get on the wrong play call and you're like, oh, we can't have words that rhyme. Right. Yep. I've never I've never heard the the offense called something and we thought it was a defensive check. I, that's that's a new one for me. That is fascinating. Um, I, I, I missed that in, in the post game. So that at least explains, you know, what why that play turned out a little bit the way it did. But yeah, that's bizarre. Um, and it's interesting too, with kind of LaFleur and Zach Taylor sort of both coming out of that Shanahan McVay system. Um, it's, it's just kind of crazy that, that they would come up with the same terminology for something on opposite sides of the football. I'd be, I, I'll be curious to see, did, did he say what the actual verbiage was that for that check? I'm sure he didn't, but I'd be, I'd be curious just to, it'd be fascinating to find out what that was. Yeah, I know um, just from like coaching high school ball, right? Like the biggest thing is uh, colors, right? So like yeah. most high school kids, right? Most of the high school uh, athletes in the U.S., like you're playing both sides of the ball um, just because the rosters aren't as big. The problem when you get like new defensive guys and new offensive guys on the same staff is like making sure words don't double up. So like 
every defensive coordinator wants to call like cover two blue or something like that. And then you'll have a pass protection that's like blue. And then it's like the kids' brains get mixed up because both of them have colors and you have to like sit down and basically like break the tie. And you're like, all right, who, who gets to use colors in their play call? <laughs> you know, something like that. So I, I wonder if, yeah, if they have the same type of check uh, on the offensive side and, you know, they're splitting defenses. So they don't like really know. Um, all right. So we'll throw it to break right now and then uh, we'll get into the uh, vibe checks. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. All right, let's start with the offense. Uh, vibe check, give me yours first. Uh, I, I'm sitting at a seven. Um, again, the, the red zone offense is really the only thing that I'm particularly concerned about, um, especially when, you know, when and if Jenkins and Myers come back. Um, Adams had a career high in, pat, er, in receiving yardage. He was over 200 for the first time in his career. I saw a stat that this is the first game in Packers history where they had a 300-yard passer, a 200-yard receiver, and a 100-yard rusher. Uh, first time in franchise history. So and they again, only scored 25 the ball, points. Right. So mo- moving <laughs> the ball was not the issue whatsoever. But um, gosh, they've got to figure out that that red zone offense because it was so, so good last year. And again, they'll 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 talk about it more, I'm sure, in detail um, on I Love Gold tomorrow. But it's it was frustrating to see them uh, getting into the uh, getting into the, you know, inside the 20 yard line and just coming away with three or, you know, or when Crosby kind of turned into shank epotamus uh, coming away with nothing. One of the interesting things to me is like the Tunyon stuff. Like he's just not yeah. producing the way, the, the way that I think we kind of expected. And some of that is a rotation thing. I think there's just so many tight ends who have been able to kind of get it. Like Daphne wasn't Daphne for the whole season, right? Like DeGuara was banged up last year. So like, I, I wonder how, how much it is like, there's just so many mouths to feed that like, Mm-hmm. You know, we don't have to call the Robert Tunyon plays right now. Um, but it really did seem like last week, like their answer to all this, like, okay, you double Devonte MVS isn't on the field. We're going to take our shots at Robert Tunyon. We, we didn't really see that this week. I don't think. No, I, I think he may had maybe, maybe two targets. I only remember one catch. There was a, a nice one up along the sideline to, to convert, I think a third down, but yeah, he just, he really seems like an afterthought in this offense, just, just in general. Um, and, and the one or two games where he has had, you know, a couple of targets um, I mean, he's, he's dropped a ball or two um, and he just has not been, um, you know, has not been bringing in those targets with the, at the rate that he did last year. And I think we all expected some level of regression from him, right? The, an 88% catch rate is not sustainable. His touchdown rate last year was not sustainable, but that, that might be, it, it, I, I, I feel like, his lack of touchdowns is also maybe there's something correlating there between the Packers lack of red zone success, because he did so much of his work down close to the goal line last year. And for some reason, it's just not working this year. Yeah. Randall Cobb. I mean, 
<laughs> what a guy. I mean, Mr. Third Down, he did it again. I mean, we're seeing it back-to-back games. I think uh, I think there was a point where it was like the Packers converted four third downs and all four of them were to Randall Cobb, um, you know, to start the game. So, I mean, that's good, right? Uh, general manager yeah. Aaron Rodgers, another notch for his scoreboard. Um, yep. Well, and, and converting that, well, again, almost converting the, the big one to set up that uh, the game-winning field goal, um, that that felt like a huge play uh, because, I mean, it, it, and obviously if it was to get them If nothing else, it put them, them into, in field goal range. Yeah. Exactly, right? Yeah, to at least get get the the 10 yards or so that they needed to, to get into a place where you could even consider putting Crosby out there. Um, it was just a massive play. And it was a, a, a tremendous catch, too, because based on placement, I mean, that felt like a hospital ball. Uh, it, it, it didn't end up being that big a hit. I don't think, um, at least it, it just kind of the, the positioning of where he was and and where the safety was didn't make for that big of a, um, that big of a collision, but it, it looked like it was going to be a, um, a really, really big hit coming. And once again, Rogers trusting Cobb to, to haul in, uh, contested catches like that over the middle. And yeah, hats off to, to Randall for coming through again in the clutch. One thing we haven't talked about uh, that, I think it was the opening drive. I don't think it was the second drive, but the opening drive, there was definitely a tripping call and it didn't yep. get called for whatever yep. reason. They, they ended up actually getting a tripping call. It was a <laughs> uh, interior defensive lineman later in the game, but it was like the least offensive of the like four yes. potential tripping calls over the last like two games. Yeah. Yeah, by far. They called the wrong one if 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 they're gonna call one of them. Um, I think you tweeted out the screenshot of the uh the first one that went uncalled. Um and it's full leg out, like yeah. no one is around him. Full like, extension. Billy, Billy Turner is just like standing up watching him because the guy's already on the ground and it's yeah, just full extension. You couldn't yep. be more blatant. I don't I don't understand well, why. And, and it was it was in a wide open area, too. That's the thing that gets me about that call is is there's you know, it's him, it's the ball carrier and it's his blocker and not really anybody else around. The one that they called was in the middle of a pile um, on an inside run to, to Dylan, I think. Yep. And how they decided to to flag that one instead uh, of that one on that first drive. I, I, I don't understand what the hell's going on here. I did have to say um, I had a friend watching the second half with me and he was asking, like, is there is there some sort of weird emphasis on tripping this year or are guys just doing it for and we're noticing it or is it just weird random noise that it just kind of is happening a lot and I think it's probably the latter right like it's just weird that we've had a couple of these plays that have come up but um, I don't think there's anything in particular going on out there right yeah I'm just like yeah that's a good point because I'm like hyper focused on it and you know once your brain starts you start connecting those loops, mm-hmm. right? You can't get it out of your damn head. Shamar uh, John Charles on that that uh, one on the edge, he actually ends up sticking his leg out too. And it looks like he, <laughs> he was just so far away from the play, he couldn't even trip the guy, but he was yeah. actively trying to trip him. So that was another one that showed up. And I was like, what, what is it with? Like, yeah, can, can the NFL guys like not tackle anymore? Is this like the, we can't practice and this is what ends yeah. up happening type of thing? But I don't know. Um, I'm going to give the offense... You said seven out of 10, right? Yeah. I'm going to be right there with you. Um, the red zone issues. We just got to fix it. We, we, we got to fix that. You know, things are going to trend uh, upward, right? Like MVS is going to get healthy. The offensive line is going to get better. Um, not that it's even, I wouldn't even classify it as bad right now. Billy Turner shouts to him. 
he's been able yep. to hold down the fort at right tackle. And he wasn't necessarily that guy when he showed up in Green Bay. He's gotten better. Um, very comfortable with him there. I, I would have thought, you know, a couple of years ago, I would have said just put him at guard because I don't even trust him outside. And now he's like the dude you can hang your hat on. Um, that's impressive. Uh, moving to the defense, uh, vibe check. Where are you at? Jamar Chase is a tough thing because it's like, Yep. This dude is just good. Like he has arrived in the NFL. He is as good as everyone said that he was. He took a year off uh, from football entirely. Did not matter. He is still nope. that guy. He he is great at what he does. He's going to be here for like 12 years playing professional football. And I'm happy the Packers are only going to play him like once every four years. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Putting a number on it. I, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm like a, a hard six, six and a half right now. Um, and and a lot of that, again, is just still trying to figure out what they're going to do in the secondary. Um, I don't know that we really felt like we've got any any answers today as to how the secondary is going to play moving forward, at least the cornerback unit, um, because to your point, Chase looks like he's he's such a dominant player. Um, there really weren't any other receivers for um, for Cincinnati who had a had a big game or, or really made a major impact on the game. So. So that's great, but um, you saw Stokes give up some some big catches and and make some good plays in the ball. So you take a little good with the bad there. Um, and I think Barnes being back was was big. Uh, I felt I felt pretty good about that. But um, pass rush was was okay. I think I don't think there was. It was real up and down. I mean, yeah, uh, Kingsley again. You know, had a couple splash plays. Dean, I thought had a pretty solid game probably his second mm-hmm. best game of the season yep. obviously he you know he didn't have brunt skill to take advantage of but <laughs> um what's his name jackson carmen was pretty close to that uh their, their right guard so he was able to take advantage of that i guess that's like the dean lowry thing right it's like if you have a inexperienced or guy who can't handle power moves at at right guard dean lowry's just gonna have a better game than he usually does yeah. <laughs> if you have a guy who can handle it then he's gonna be like zeroed on the box score um yeah but yeah, I mean the defensive line I thought did okay. I know Kenny had like two TFLs, um, which is nice to see. The the thing that really killed me was their run game. It wasn't even necessarily their pass game. Like Stokes is a young guy. He's keeping coverage tight. It's not like coverage bust. It's just like mm-hmm. that last, you know, five percent of the route. He's just not there and it ends up being a, a completion. The run game where it's just like they can just hand it off and just move the ball down the field. It's like you we can't we can't let this happen. You can't let this happen in the NFL. So I, I'm more concerned about the run game right now than, than the passing game. But to your point, I mean, they didn't really have other options other than Jamar Chase deep. And then Joe Burrow a couple of times. I mean, it seemed like after he completed that one, he got it in his head like, oh, I throw the deep ball. And the Packers are yeah. like, no, you actually cannot because <laughs> your arm strength can't can't make those type of plays right now. So yep. maybe against Justin Fields next week, uh, that changes a little bit. But I guess that's something that we're going to have to, you know, take game by game yadam yep. actually did get in for a bit because i know uh king when he got hurtled mm-hmm. or hurdle attempted uh messed up his shoulder so he was on the bench for a while yadam came off the bench which again is another point to like why was shamar john charles on the field in the red zone when uh-huh. isaac yadam is your is your uh what i guess that's corner four outside yeah um yeah, that, that still doesn't make sense to me. But the, the run game is the bigger thing to me more than the passing game at this point, I think, even though, you know, yep. Chase ate him up. Yeah, well, and I wonder if there were some – I mean, there clearly were, were some halftime adjustments by the Bengals because they had the um, – in the first half, they went three and out five times. Um, 
or I'm sorry, four times, four of their first five drives were, were three and outs. And then you have a, a long 10 yard touchdown drive in the first quarter. And then the, the big bomb to chase that um, I actually think that, you know, knowing that there was that check issue with the terminology thing that, that makes me feel a little better about that whole thing, because that's just a freak uh, freak incident. But then, Again, I've never heard that, that yeah, once in my life. That's ludicrous, but, but it, it did seem like they, um, you know, that first drive coming out of the half, um, they got, uh, they got the pick from Amos, which was great. Um, but then it, it did seem like the, um, the Bengals got something going um, and maybe there was some adjustment in the run game that, that, but they were definitely able to, to sustain that a little bit uh, with, with the, the game staying close. And um, that was, that was definitely a, an issue. So we'll be interested to see next week, no David Montgomery for the bears, which I'm a okay with that. <laughs> um, so hopefully that'll, uh, that'll help this, this run defense get, uh, get back on track a little bit. Yeah. I'm going to go six out of 10, just thinking about all this stuff. There's just so many injuries and question marks and yep. just weird, weird things. They, they basically haven't played like an, a competitive, I think like playoff caliber NFL team the last two weeks. So that also, uh, adds into the question marks because yep. you know we think we have answers but we might not have answers. it's that whole thing where it's like you don't even sometimes you don't even know the questions that are actually right. going to arise um special teams goodness gracious so we already touched Bohork has two punts one good one one bad one mason crosby obviously yes. just real tough day at the office uh let's just move forward with <laughs> that one i guess is like the approach like what are you gonna say hey i, I wish you would have made them i think he wish he would have made him too so yeah yeah what are we gonna do with that and but again he he went out there he had no hesitation and he went out and drilled a 49 yarder to win it so um i mean props to him for for shaking it off i almost i almost feel like that was one of those where you you wanted to get him the winner to to get just get that out of his head right away um and not have a repeat of like that lions game from a couple of years ago where, you know, it was something that was going to be talked about all week long. If he, you know, if, if they had scored a touchdown to win it instead, or, or if they had ended up losing the game um, it, it just, I was happy for Mason that, that he was the one to win it. So um, that was at least a, um, a little bit of saving grace for him, thankfully. Yeah. And then uh, the return game, um, mm-hmm. Coverage wise, still not great. You know, they yeah. bursted one where it looked like they had a guy dead in the water, and then he ends up getting like twenty yards after that. And you're like, "What? How the hell did even that even happen?" It's just yep. guys not getting off of blocks. Um, kick return wise, I don't think there was anything to write home about. But every time Amari is back there on punt return, I am freaking out. Like this is mm-hmm. this is not what we signed up for. Like, <laughs> what was the, he was a third round pick and he was supposed to be return man like gadget play type of guy like just get the get the ball in his hand and now he's back there on punt return and he's going east and west so much that i'm like just catch it or like get away from the ball like fair catch it something like it's just bad results consistently it makes me anxious and i know we harp on it all the time but what what are you doing using a a 46 man spot on him you give him three, three or four plays of jet motion on offense. You give him two, you know, two or three punt returns a game. Um, hell, Kylan Hill actually got in on offense and got a got a catch second play of the drive. game. Second yeah. play of the game. So what? Again, you're you're telling me that that active roster spot wouldn't be better used on a 300 pound guy like Jack Heflin for the middle of the defense? No, I'm sorry. I, I 
I'm going to, I'm going to keep harping on it until they, they uh, make a change here or no, until I, Amari, I until Amari shows something worthy of, of making him active on game day. Yeah, speaking of actives on game days, um, not to trample over the special teams talk, but Equinamia St. Brown, this is his last activation oh. before they have to make a decision on him coming off the practice squad or not. Right. And I don't think he's made, I don't think he's made a play in, in the three games that he's been activated. I mean, no, I'm not his, sure what the deal it, is there where they're trying to move him up and stuff, but I mean, the three plays that he's made were he had a bad penalty on special teams last week. He had a drop last week, and then he had a blown block on a receiver screen in today's game. That's I, I, I have been an, an EQ fan since they drafted him, and I have been holding out hope that he ends up turning into something and, and being a useful NFL player. But I think I am officially, well, no, I'm not going to give up the ghost just yet, but I'm real close. I'm, I'm almost there. So I need to see something uh, the next time he's active. Um, and it's probably going to be next week because MBS is still out one more game um, on IR. So I think they still got a, an open roster spot so they could promote him if they, uh, if they, needed to, to, to keep him active, but yeah, he's, he has not shown anything uh, worthy of, of getting an active roster spot in the couple games he's played last couple of weeks. Yeah, it's been tough. And then Ben Braden got activated too from the practice squad. I don't think he, I mean, maybe he was out there on like PAT team. I wasn't paying yeah. attention, but um, that's probably where he got his reps, the right side of the line uh, for the field goal unit. Still not looking great. I mean, some of the things that are happening are just very confusing where, Yep. You know, they're letting free runners come, not not free runners, but they're letting, they're turning guys loose on the right side uh, on the interior. And it's just like, I don't know how, how this happened. I, I know the special teams coach for uh, San Jose state. He actually helped me. I coached special teams last year at the high school. I coached that um, he used to work with the Raiders and stuff. Um, I got put through with one of my coaching buddies to him and he, he gave me a bunch of resources. So I might go through his old Raiders playbooks and just see like how the NFL does it. But my assumption is that like field goal team for the most part, even at the NFL level is still a lot of step down stuff, which is like no pressure on the inside. If you need to turn a guy loose, it's on the outside because mm-hmm. it's the widest angle to, to block these right. kicks. And you're still seeing guys turn loose on the inside. And I'm like, okay, what, what the hell is happening here? Cause that that's if we're, this is three straight weeks of it now, right? That's bad. You can like yep. Drayton. Drayton seems like a great guy. Um, he seems like a guy everyone loves in the locker room. They got to get the field goal team fixed. They got to get it fixed. You can't, you can't keep repeating the same mistakes over and over again. Um, it is going to cost them a game one of these days if, if this keeps up. And I can't help wondering if maybe some of that played into Crosby's mind a little bit, seeing these guys come off the right side because all of his misses went to the left. So it, it wouldn't surprise me if that was maybe just – even subconsciously affecting him just a little bit um, and, and pushing a few of those kicks that way. Mason didn't sell anyone out in the presser. I, I listened to it. Um, they mm-hmm. had, they had, who was it? They had Mason talk. They had Devonte talk. They had Rogers talk and they had LaFleur talk. Um, for the most part, they, they kind of stayed away from the kicking issues, but yeah. Rogers actually dipped into it and said, you know, we got to be more consistent and uh, we got to give him the laces. And I was like, yeah, oh, uh, I wonder if that sounds like a Hunter so like Bradley maybe, problem. Yeah. Is that, is that a long <laughs> snapper, like uh holder type of like that type mm-hmm. of the, that part of the operation? I, I didn't notice mm-hmm. that live, but no, I didn't either, I'll, but... I'll watch 
you know, on the rewatch uh, either but later tonight or later. Most of most of the misses looked like he hit him clean, but I, I think one of them uh, might have been the it was either the PAT or it was the first miss um, before the before the two minute warning. One of those looked like he he caught it funny and had a weird rotation on it. So maybe that's um, that would be one that I'd be interested to to look back on and see if there was something funny with with the ball placement. Yeah, yeah. If we could just like pressure wash today's uh, special teams performance <laughs> outside of my brain, I'd feel a lot more comfortable about this team. Agreed. Special teams vibes. I'm gonna give it like a let's go. Let's go like three out of ten. It was it was bad. We don't have to pretend it wasn't bad. Um, it wasn't a full blown collapse. It wasn't you know kick returns being returned for touchdowns the moment you you get the yeah. go ahead score or anything like that. But the field goal unit and, and some of those kicks were tough too. You know Mason was talking about how. You know, the 51-yarder, um, really that one was just like the wind took it. Uh, he, he just yep. misestimated the wind and it just took it away. Um, he was able to hit the big one. You know, like you mentioned, the fact that he was able to win it kind of galvanizes him again, right? Where yeah. it's like, hey, we reinstilled confidence in, uh, in Mason Crosby. And now he's the reason why we win, not the reason why we lose. So I guess that's a good thing. But I feel like three out of ten is still fair. Yeah, I agree. That's kind of where I'm falling too. Um, I'm I'm hopeful that um, Bohorquez can can bounce back a little bit from from that rough punt. Um, I mean, every, every other kick he's had this year has been great. So um, until it becomes a recurring issue, like it was with J.K. Scott, I'll I'll continue to to feel pretty confident in uh, in him kicking away. Um, and yeah, I, I again, I feel much better coming off of um, a converted game winner at the end and again that was no no easy kick i mean that was a 49 no. yarder to finish it off and he drilled that one straight down the middle so um that one certainly you know at least gives you leaves you a good taste in your mouth at the end of the game um but again the protection issues the coverage issues uh those are those are still continuous ongoing things that have to get fixed so i can't go any higher than the three either yeah i think that's probably the weakness of the team right now i mean yep. between that and then you know, defensive run game, and then the offense just kind of figuring to go back to the offense. I just want to touch this again. They they are just coming out of like two games in a row, three games in a row, or or teams said, just take the check down, run the ball on us until you get a lead, and then we're gonna have to start playing you different. And for whatever reason, the Packers came out and they decided like let's let's try to see if we can score a touchdown in two plays. And, and they did that for two drives and they basically ended up punting those first two drives. And it's like, no guys, you're probably going to have to do this. Like every single game of the season teams are going to play you this yep. way and you can't cheat it. And you especially can't cheat it when MVS is out and you know, you have what, how many back, I don't know, three backups in on the offensive line. Yep. You're not going to be able to cheat it guys. Like you're going to have to hashtag establish it. You're going to have to take the check downs. You're not going to be able to get them all in big chunk plays, at least early on in the game. That's just not how teams are going to play you. And I think that was one of the more frustrating things about this game offensively. Um, that was just kind of weird to see where it was like they were really testing deep and just like seeing what they would throw DPIs and stuff on. Because mm -hmm. it's not like their wide receivers were separating. Um, nothing against the guys that the Packers got. It's just the, the Bengals cornerbacks were playing them real well and real tight. Yeah. Yeah, the one other thing that uh, I would I would note too is, you know, when they when the Packers took over with 20 seconds left after uh, Cincinnati's kicker missed his his first field goal, uh, his first game winning attempt, um, 
you know where the ball's going. You know that he's going to try to throw a one chunk play to Devontae and you know pick up enough yards to get him in a field goal range. But somehow Devontae is wide open in the middle of the field again. Like I don't, I, I, it blows my mind how Adams can get that wide open in situations where you know he is the target and he is going to get the ball. Um, I, 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 it just, I, I just don't understand how that keeps happening. I'm not going to complain, but uh, it's, it's, it's mind-boggling. It has to be that like that they're really scared of you getting that extra play, right? Where yeah. they just essentially concede hey, you can throw one ball down the middle of the field and then you have to clock it and then your offense is off the field. And what they don't want to do, because like I, I also saw, they, they had like four dudes on that sideline that Devontae came off of, um, mm. just lined up straight straight on the sideline, gotcha. like post-snap. Um, so it ended up being, yeah, I mean, that that was their plan. It was, it was basically don't let him catch this ball and then go out of bounds because then Rogers might have another shot at that. And, and yeah. I guess later, you know, the deeper you go into the field, you can't really play those type of coverages. So I kind of get it. I just, yeah. I mean, if you were on the opposite, if you were, if we were Bengals fans, we would be harping about that. And we'd be like, yep. why do you even give them the shot? <laughs> you know, you, you still have to play defense for one play before you can even go into that type of mindset. Um, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, that's tough. Um, anything else to add text? Uh, no, I mean, that's, that pretty much covers it. I'm going to, I'm going to have a little, little drink and, uh, try to get a good night's sleep now that, uh, we at least got a W and moved to four and one, but man, that one's, uh, that was an ugly one. We'll take yeah, it. There, there's no style points, <laughs> but style points are, it, it would help us sleep easier at night. Nothing yeah, else. Sure. All right. Take care, Tex. Have a good night. Go pack. Go.